Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. As always on Tuesdays, joining us is Andrew Malcolm, the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com. Welcome back, Andrew. It's another week in, and uh, they seem to be going faster these days. I don't know why. They do. They do. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, I, uh, I share a birthday day and a birthday year with Brit Hume. And um, we were talking once, and we agreed that zero to 60 was, yeah, give or take, 60 years. But 60 and beyond, boom, just flashed by. Well, that's not good news for me because I'm turning 60 in about yeah. six weeks. Well, so. I'm, I'm beyond. Beyond. <laughs> All right. Well. Now I know what to expect. Uh, more of this, um, but uh, lots to discuss this uh, this week. I, you know, the big news this morning was that Joe Biden made a surprise trip to Ukraine, which yeah. is, you know, that's how you make trips to war zones is surprise. Oh, yeah. Although in this case, apparently, the news was Andrew that Biden had alerted Moscow that he was going there, and basically, I think to say. Um, don't try anything. Don't try anything. Yeah, I, I'm not going to appreciate an aerial show in Kiev while I'm there. Um, interesting. interesting. Yeah, it is. That's that. You know, that's what Miley did um, during the Trump administration. He alerted his uh, chief of staff, alerted his Chinese counterpart that don't worry, we won't let Trump do anything crazy on on the military, I I don't I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you talk to the other side. Uh, I, I guess mean, if, if Biden's talking himself, I guess that's okay. I'm just not sure. I guess it's well, it's Biden being safe, and that's Biden. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think under the circumstances, I mean, it. it this isn't Afghanistan or Iraq, right? I mean, we're not technically at war in in ukraine we're we're uh supplying one of the sides but we're technically not at war so i mean when george bush and barack obama for that matter and joe biden for that matter had to fly into afghanistan or iraq during the war years it was always secret nobody was oh, yeah. alluded to it until after it happened right uh, and and there's good reasons for that i think in this case you know deconfliction probably is a good idea up front just because you don't want to start a war over a mistake right um because if they targeted the president of the united states if russia targeted the president of the united states um either accidentally or on purpose that goes a long way to pushing you into a into a position of war yes so yes, with that said, yeah, yeah i'm sorry go ahead go ahead no that's no i'm just i just think it's um It may be wise in a diplomatic sense, but in a personal sense, or a, what, an image sense, telling Russia that you're going there and basically to give more arms. Yeah. Um, if Putin is crazy, he's crazy. And I guess he's, not, he's sure he's not crazy. We seem to have somebody close to, close to Putin um, sending out intel. But 
anyway, yeah. So anyway, he did it, and I understand he's left the country, so he got away with it for now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think that this is a bad thing. Um, he's like the last Western leader to do this. Exactly. I, so I, that's I, another I, reason. Uh, yeah, another reason why he had to. Yeah. What's your estimation of what the impact on this is? If he had done this a year ago, I think it would have been a massive impact. Yeah. I think one year later, after the start of the war, when you've everybody and their brother has gone to go stand with Zelensky and Kiev. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's less now, uh, less of an impact. I think it's important to show the ongoing support, both in a, a photo op, which is basically why he went, um, but also in more in more weapons. You know, I, I gather there's a, there's some uh, uh, Republicans and maybe others who are uh, growing opposition to uh, to giving Ukraine this stuff, and I'm uh, I'm I'm all for it, honestly. Uh, I think. Uh, if if there's somebody willing to fight Russia and to deplete their military power without any of our sons and daughters and fathers and mothers uh, being involved and we just send them materiel, I'm all for it. Because if uh, Putin wins in Ukraine, um, even if he just like gets half the country or something, his next move, it, it, you don't, aggressors, don't stop until they are stopped. Right. Uh, uh, Hitler's a perfect example of that. We basically gave up Czechoslovakia. And so he took it as, okay, well, I can keep going. And he did. And then we had to fight so much harder and so much blood spilled um, to counter it. Uh, so, you know, if Putin thinks, well, okay, they're not really supporting Ukraine anymore because they got tired of it, just like I thought they would. And Russia is, um, oh, I forgot the numbers, but it's uh, multiple times more in terms of population and size than Ukraine. So the long game plays to Russia's strength. And um, if he's successful there, however he defines success, then he can go after the Baltic states, which are in NATO. And the minute the first explosion happens, the United States is in it. That's 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 it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that the likelihood of that is a lot less than it used to be. But Moldova probably would be a target if um, if Putin succeeds. And, you know, that's that's well, that's not yeah. NATO. So but yeah, he can NATO, but it's very, very close. Moldova yeah, is very, very exactly. close. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that. Um, I don't have a problem with supporting Ukraine in this. Ukraine is not the aggressor here. Russia's the aggressor. Ukraine is the victim of just flat out um, attempt to at imperial territorial acquisition. And you can't let that stand for the reasons that you just said. Um, and I think that Biden did the right thing, but as Biden, you know, in going to Kiev today, but as Biden usually does, he does the right thing only after exhausting all of the other possibilities. Exactly. And that's exactly. kind of what we saw today. Like and, and with the military aid, there are those um, who are wise and experienced in military who think that he's stretching it out, that he needs to, he, he could have done the, the tanks last summer, 
and then they'd be almost there. Now they're still a ways away. Uh, the German tanks tanks will be there soon, if not already. But uh, he, he's stringing out the aid, which is better than nothing. But what it does is it helps produce a stalemate, and a stalemate plays to Russia's strength. It does. It does. I think you're right about that. The problem is that they, they're not even really achieving a stalemate. And that's the reason why I think they're getting very frustrated right now is that it's not that they're, it's not that there's a stalemate going on. They're getting their, their forces chewed into, you know, oblivion. Yeah. Um, and they're, and they're not, they're throwing everything that they've got at Ukraine and they're not advancing. And in some cases they're going the wrong direction. Right. In the meantime, they're chewing through, and, and there's another story out here today. And I was kind of curious about this. I didn't mention it to you before we got started. But Radar Online notes that you know, which is <laughs> whenever I want to know about you know global security, I always go to Radar. <laughs> That's the National Enquirer, isn't it? Basically, it's the National Enquirer. It's it's a slightly more reliable National Enquirer. But but they're, they're, you know they're citing a they're citing a different publication. The Chechen warlord is announcing that he's going to create his own private army to compete against the the Wagner group right oh, and you know this is the there's a real problem here when you've got a a, a, a state that is encouraging the uh, encouraging the yeah. people to form private armies is that eventually <laughs> it's going to you got these warlords that are going to end up fighting each other uh, and they turn on you yeah <clears throat> well and what happens then? Then you've got Moscow, which becomes a failed state, right? And you've got eight time zones of danger, basically. Well, not if, to mention thousands of warheads. That's what I mean. I mean, yeah. you've got. I mean, that's a that's an incredibly bad thing, and um, and and the reason why I'm sure the reason why the Chechen warlord wants to take charge of this is Katarov. I mean, this is a, a well-known guy. Um, he's a Putin ally, but for how long is one question. Yeah. And B, why does he want to form a private army? It's because he doesn't want Putin running his men, basically, because yeah. the Kremlin is incredibly bad at this. Oh, they're awful. Yeah, they've proven awful. Yeah. Uh, and the, every day this goes on, Putin looks weaker. Um, so I... Yeah, it's a it's a total mess, and it's a total mess of his own making, which is well, a sort, yeah. sort of like a Greek tragedy, isn't what Trump did too? Yeah, it's a it's a Greek tragedy. It's a you know it's a it's hubris all over again, right? Over yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. And, um, but I, and he's not going to admit the feat. I'm not. I don't know if it's so much of a Greek tragedy or if it's in pardon, pardon the pun, a Wagnerian tragedy. <laughs> you know, in in Wagner's uh, ring, what happens is that basically they torch Balala and everything burns to the ground, and that's not exactly I mean, that's a really bad situation if that's what yeah. happens in Russia. Yep. 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 Uh, Valhalla. You need Valhalla. You need the idea of Valhalla anyway. Yeah, right. I mean, it's... and I don't mind. I don't mind the music either. Dun, da, da, da. 
What was I, it? I love the smell of Valhalla burning in the morning. <laughs> I was just about to quote Apocalypse now. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The um, um, I mean, this is. It's important, I think, to to see Ukraine prevail here, just in keeping Imperial Russia in check, because yeah. that's what it is. It's always been that way. It's always been Imperial. There's a good piece in foreign policy about that, too, is is and the question that they ask is, can you even have a non-Imperial Russia? I mean, <laughs> no, the yeah. Russian, knowing the Russian character, knowing the Russian psyche, is there any such thing as a non-Imperial Russia? And my argument, and I, I have it in the headline, I write a whole post about it, um, uh, is that the Russian Federation is so diverse ethnically and culturally, because again, eight time zones, right? That I don't think that you can hold it together without an imperial ethos. I don't uh... think I don't think it sticks without an imperial ethos. And I think that's what Yeltsin discovered when Yeltsin tried to move away from that and ended up getting, you know, eventually having to cede power and, and bring in Putin, which is how we got Putin in the first place. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's there, there are some real questions there as to, you know, what it is that you can actually do. And uh, what they're doing, uh, both the Wagner group and the Russian army is basically throwing these untrained guys at the Ukrainians. And yep. as I as I said earlier, there's a lot more Russians than there are Ukrainians. I think the, the population of Ukraine is is California plus Houston and San Antonio, um, and that's it. Uh, and though they can fight as valiantly as they want, but if it's just these hordes of 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 Russians uh, who will get shot if they retreat or get shot if they advance. Um, they don't mind. Stalin did the same thing in World War II. Well, it did uh, just, the same thing in Afghanistan, too. It didn't work yeah. out as well in Afghanistan. No, it didn't work out as well. And uh, and Jimmy Carter um, helped feed that. Yeah. Um, um, the, not the Taliban, but the Mujahideen. Yeah, you know, well, Jimmy Carter did. And um, yeah, I mean, there's also Jimmy Carter's in the news this week. I mean, Jimmy Carter. Yeah checked himself into hospice care rather than yeah. back into the hospital. So, he's you know, and something interesting about that, I, I covered the whole right to die movement and um, uh, Raquel Welsh was in the movie of it, uh, of my book, um, uh, when she passed last week. Yeah. Um, it, if, let's see, Jimmy Carter has been very open about his health situation. He had melanoma that went into his brain and his liver and, and his treatments and his frequent falls. Um, and um, I mean, that's that's very brave, but he couldn't have done that when he was president. I don't mean because he was president, but uh, the social ethos at that time, end of life decisions were secret, very secret because they were so emotional. We hadn't, we had all the new advanced medical technology that could feed you our artificial food. It could breathe for you. Um, it could clean your blood. You could be comatose and machines could do all of this. But the question, the new question erupted back in the 80s, which is, when do you not do everything you can do? Yep. And uh, Jimmy Carter obviously has decided that he's not going to do any more medical interventions. 
He's going to go home. They can give him medicines to keep him comfortable, reduce the pain, whatever it is he's got wrong, they haven't said. And he'll be with his family in his modest ranch-style home in Plains. But, you know, back in the 70s, you couldn't do that um, because the doctors would be feared of, of getting charged with uh, killing somebody. Uh, you know, you have a daughter who says, um, you know, my dad said he didn't want to be kept alive on machines. Um, and I think we should let him go. But then her brother arrives from Arizona and he's feeling guilty for not taking care of his father. And he says, no, doc, you got to do everything you want. Well, the only way the only way the doctor can get in trouble legally and morally is to do what the patient wanted. And that's crazy. So, yeah, hats off to Jimmy Carter. Um, I've been going through some of his background, and he's done some admirable stuff over the years. And he's had a yeah. wonderful post-presidency, the longest, but I think also the most productive and positive. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about Jimmy Carter. Um, oh, so do I. But certainly, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into, you know, I'm not going to start, you know, eulogizing a guy negatively when he's still around um and he's this close you know, it, it, there's a certain dignity that needs to pertain to these sorts of things there's time yeah. there and there's there's been plenty of time to assess jimmy carter's presidency in the 40 plus years since it ended <laughs> yeah, that's right you know? and there'll be plenty of time to assess the entirety of his life after he's passed um but in this period i think the best thing that we can just do is to is to note that this is a remarkable guy. First off, living to 98 is remarkable in and of itself. Yeah. Um, and, and being vital for almost the entire time is remarkable yeah. in and of itself. And everybody uh, in his family died from uh, cancer. His father and his three siblings all God died from pancreatic cancer. So, yeah. Yeah. So there's obviously some sort of genetic. But he's made it long after they did, longer than they did. Right. You know, uh, I think and, it's the peanuts. <laughs> it could be the peanuts it could be the peanuts do you remember a film called whose life is it anyway yes richard dreyfus richard dreyfus uh and it was a play on broadway too i think it was it was originally a play on broadway they turned it into a film um and it, it tackled all these things now what it didn't do is it didn't go into assisted suicide um well it did actually a little bit go into su assisted suicide but this was more or less the doctors just making him comfortable um in the end, in the very end, in the spoiler alert, I'm going to give you a spoiler on a 40 year old. <laughs> uh, the spoiler alert is he goes to court, fights for the right to, to not have extraordinary interventions carried out on him. Um, and that was a really interesting construct, too, because it talked about how the system was set up that basically, if you express that desire, it meant that you were mentally not competent to make decisions for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And so it was a catch 22. Um, and um, he fought the doctor. The doctor was a, he's a good actor. He didn't do a ton of stuff. He was also in all that jazz as a doctor. Um, and, um, or it may have been Nick, it could have been Nick Cassavetes. Actually, now I'm thinking, maybe it was Nick Cassavetes and not the other actor I'm thinking of, but it was really good. And, um, and in the end, he, ends up winning in court prevailing in court and the doctor comes and so he's going to check himself out of the hospital and the doctor says to him look i just want to make sure you're comfortable you don't need to leave i promise i won't i won't 
I won't contradict what you want. Um, and so the end is just sort of him. You just see him waiting to die and you can see the anxiety in, in his face. It's really a, yeah. it's a, it's a tough movie to watch. Actually, Richard Dreyfuss is brilliant in it. Well, I covered that issue back in the mid eighties and I did a, I did a book about it and actually I faced the same decisions in my family. Um, and I spent weeks at a, at a hospital where these decisions were constantly being made. Yeah. And um, I mean, it, 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 uh, it blows your mind. Now this is what 30, 30 plus years ago. Yeah. But uh, where a, a man, elderly man comes in because he's got back pain and um, well, they look at him and they do all the tests. They find out that he's got back pain because he's got bone cancer. And the cancer is eating up all of his bones and they can give him medicine that will weed out or what do you call it? Filter out the calcium. But if they don't, calcium builds up and it stops his heart. And I was there when the doctor was talking with him, telling him the situation and giving him the alternative. And the next day he went home and two weeks later he died. Yeah. Yeah. But it's. I guess I'm, I'm still real from the stunning realization that we now have machines that can do this. And, um, uh, but the machines advanced much faster and further than our own ethics uh, did. And nobody in the families typically wants to talk about end of life. It's, oh, no, Grandpa, you're going to live forever. And he doesn't. And then nobody knows Nobody knows what he would have wanted. And the doctor could only get in trouble by pulling the plug. Yep. It's, it's, uh, it's an amazing situation. Um, uh, and it was fascinating to write about. Um, I'm sure not fascinating to live, but. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all coming, kind of coming back with uh, Carter. I think it's interesting how we're more, how those issues are a little bit more settled than they used to be. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, if it's cancer, they won't do anything. But with a lot of these cases, if it's um, something else, they they will donate the organs. And I was in on some of those donations and tracking lungs that went to Pittsburgh and eyes that went to California and kidneys. I was in on the kidney transplants. And it just it blows your mind. That's, well, that's trite, but it's true. Yeah, what's what's going on and what you're witnessing, and it's grand, but it's also scary because nobody wants to face to face it before decision time. John Cassavetes, by the way, I'm okay. it was John Cassavetes, not Nick Cassavetes. It was John Cassavetes who played the doctor in in the movie. Um, so, by the way, by the way, Ed, um, if something uh, happens to me, I want you to marry somebody else. <laughs> 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 you remember you remember that wonderful skit in modern family where the woman says to her husband um you know if anything happened to me i'd want you to remarry and he says okay and she says uh that was a little fast and <laughs> and he says well i just want you to be happy she said okay uh, 
if you did remarry, do you have any idea who that would be? And he said, oh, Vicki Evans at the office. She's wonderful. And the and the daughter walks by. Uh, the daughter walks by and says, are you talking about Vicki? Oh, mom, she's wonderful. She's just wonderful. And the wife is sitting there looking very askance. And, he, and then the husband says, well, if anything happens to me, and she interrupts him and says, oh, something's going to happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh that's almost a given at that point isn't it <laughs> yeah right. something's gonna happen to you <laughs> all right so we want to get to your columns here too um and uh your vip column most recent vip column is about joe biden's um uh, policies joe biden's policies quite simply damaged the u.s oh. um i think two years in that also might be a given i mean <laughs> But it's well, it is, it is, but there, but, but my point was, it's intentional. You know, who in their right mind? I don't care if you want everybody to own their own airplane or whatever. Who in their right mind would, on um, within twenty four hours of taking office, start destroying energy independence? Yeah, I mean, it's not like if you if you took away all the oil, everybody can have an electric car today. They couldn't afford it, and the, the system wouldn't support it, the, the grid. Um, and who could afford a $120,000 electric vehicle or whatever they cost now? So um, that's intentional. Um, and then to go and beg the Saudi Arabia, oh, could you produce more oil? You know, I cut some of mine, but I want you to do more. Right. Uh, and... Uh, and the disregarding the general's advice in Afghanistan and creating such a cluster flock there. That well, it, I mean, just, that, just the disgrace of that. I mean, that was just absolutely oh, disgraceful. Just yeah. awful. Just awful. You and I talked about that. And he still calls it an extraordinary success. And then the spending, the wanton spending that created the inflation, which is a universal tax on every single person in this country. And now he's like, he did them gas. Oh, gas doesn't cost $6 anymore. It's only three seventy-five, And that's supposed to be good. And now he's saying, well, inflation is only six and a half percent instead of nine. Well, it's just so, so phony. Now he doesn't do any shopping. Obviously his, his servants do. And he'll never pump gas himself. Secret Service will do that for him. Um, but there's just so many decisions, and I go through them, um, that the national debt, again, um, and he says he's not going to negotiate on it. So many decisions that are intentionally damaging. I mean, you can't say, well, um, yeah, that's a problem, and we'll have to work that out. No, he can't say that. He's, I'm not going to. I'm not going to negotiate anything. Just raise it. That's not going to happen in Washington, and he should know that. He's a senator. He's the senator who was assigned to drive gun control through Congress after Sandy Hook, and of course, nothing happened. So it's just. Oh, and the, my other favorite Biden story is that Obama put him in charge of uh, government transparency. He wanted to have the most transparent government administration right. in, in history. He put Biden in charge of it. Biden called a meeting, government-wide meeting, and closed it. No. <laughs> I mean, uh, 
disclose it to the public and the press. We want to talk about transparency, but you can't hear. I mean, it's just so insane. It's, it's, that's the only thing you can call it. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I wanted to, to uh, what's the word, make a list, boom, 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 of the things that he is. You can argue some presidents do things and then say, well, you disagree with the policy, but it doesn't seem aimed at damaging the country, but his do. Yeah, 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 indeed. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that the American public has responded to this. I mean, Joe Biden's approval ratings are not anything to, you know, to write home about. They never have been. Now, he managed to eke out uh, 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 basically a small loss in the midterms when he probably deserved to have a much bigger loss, thanks in part to Republicans sort of fumbling the midterms. But when you're looking at what, what he's going to do, he's going to have to make a decision here pretty quick whether or not he's going to run for a second term. And I, I don't know if you think this, but all the indications I'm seeing is that he's going to run again. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know what you run on. <laughs> yeah. What is exactly. it? They, the only thing you can run on is I'm yeah. not Trump. Well, that's it. That's that's the big platform. But yep. also, he just defies facts. Yeah. Had, Afghanistan was an extraordinary success. The withdrawal, people got service. People got killed. Thousands didn't get evacuated. He went back on his promise to get everybody out who wandered out. Um, he wasn't going to tax people uh, under $400,000, and now we are. It, it, he's, and he says, we're still not. And if a reporter asks him a question that he doesn't want to answer, he just walks away. But because he's got a sympathetic media, nobody blows the whistle and goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. Presidents can't do that. But he does. And he gets away with it. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I don't know. So I should shut up. <laughs> oh goodness. We didn't even get a chance to really talk about that New York times episode with the, uh, with the revolt oh. of the New York times. Um, the second revolt in the last uh, what, three or four years, I guess um, they revolted three or four years ago um, in the Dean Becquet era um, yeah. because the opinion editor decided to um, green light a, a column that Tom Cotton wrote about actual policy, right? Which is like a nothing burger. I and mean, that's an easy dunk. You always. The, yeah. The opinion editor who was told we want a wide variety, diversity of opinion. Right. So, so this, yeah. this last week or a couple of weeks over the last couple of weeks, there's been a staff revolt again at the New York times because they, found out a couple of years ago that they run the joint, right? And yeah. this time yeah. around, they said to link arms with a um, transgender activist uh, community or, and, you know, activist group and sign a letter. It's had 200 signatures on it, including some of the time staffers and, uh, you know, the activists and a couple of Hollywood celebrities were on this uh, demanding a, um, that they re um, re-strategize their coverage to be much more sympathetic to transgenders and to, and to commit to having uh, more representation of transgenders in the newsroom, Andrew. And it didn't pan out too well for them. <laughs> no, around, yeah. did it? no, it didn't. Uh, 
you're right. They they seem to have gotten some uh, some testosterone. The editors. It's a new executive editor, Joseph Kahn. Right. Um, and I don't know that much about him, but he's acted uh, completely differently, and so have his deputies. Um, he has to have the support of the publisher to do that, and this publisher is the same one who turned around and allowed the firing of the opinion editor two years ago. So I'm not sure how confident you can be in his decisions, but um, it's uh, having worked there for so long, um, it's just, it's bizarre is what it is. Yeah. It, uh, uh, that kind of stuff never, ha never happened. I mean, the editorial board, which in those days had 10 or 12 people on it, had a weekly lunch in which they had people in and they brought, they ordered deli sandwiches and they had um, experts in who would talk sometimes on the record, sometimes off the record. Uh, and they were really interesting people. I mean, important people. And um, uh, the opinion editor uh, said, well, you know, if you want to come up sometime. So I did, but I had to get permission to go up to the 10th floor to sit in on these lunches and they looked askance at me like why why do you want to why do you want to do that I said well i can learn things about these issues guys off the record he's going to say things we won't get otherwise um uh, but there was a distinct um demarcation between uh, between yeah. business and editorial and between editorial and the editorial who wrote the editorials and then didn't have so many, quite so many columns. That's where they park people who they want to get out of their position, but they don't want to fire them. So they give them a sinecure as, as an, as an opinion columnist upstairs. Well, I don't know if it's upstairs anymore. They're in a new building, but it, it's, um, it's disappointing to see, well, the whole profession, but particularly the New York Times to go down the tube like that. Having said that, I am a subscriber, uh, mainly because of the foreign coverage. It's just so detailed and they're everywhere. I mean, they have photographers in back mood and, and it's just, it's an amazing, it's an amazing operation abroad. I was on that staff for a while, uh, but then they got good. Well, Andrew, I think that brings us into the, uh, to the see joke. if I got any. See if I got I actually, any. I found a couple, by the way. I, I oh, told good. You. Let's hear yours. All right. Well, I'll, I'll do one of mine, then we can do one of yours. Okay. Uh, which one of your kids will never grow up and move out of the house? Your oh. husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. One of yours this time. All right. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Said uh, Conan O'Brien, these are oldies. A mother in China gave birth to a 15-pound baby. Oof, Chinese, Chinese official says it's so big, it can do the work of two infants. Wow. And that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's major. That's major. All right. Here's, 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 uh, no, my, go ahead. here's my other one. Here's my other one. I wonder what my parents did to fight boredom before the internet. You know, I asked my 18 brothers and sisters and they didn't know either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have the slightest idea. Well, finally, uh, Jimmy Fallon, he said a Florida man was arrested for DUI driving a motorized shopping cart at Walmart. 
In fact, he led cops on a chase that reached 90 aisles per hour. Wow. Now that's amazing. <laughs> 90 aisles. I love it. <laughs> 90 aisles an hour. Oh, gosh. I, I probably saw that on uh, on Patrol Live. <laughs> yeah. There, there, there's, 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 there's one other old one about Montana, which is, as you may know, wide open. There were football teams that travel 700 miles for away games. Uh, and the story of possibly apocryphal is that a, a highway patrol stopped the rancher in his pickup and asked him, why were you going 120 miles an hour on the interstate? And the rancher said, because it was raining. <laughs> also famously no speed limits in montana well speed. yeah okay we can argue over that i had to explain that to the dan rather team and they ignored <laughs> they ignored me but um every state has what's called the basic rule and the basic rule is don't drive beyond what conditions permit right you can't take that away. That just exists. It's like oxygen. Every right. state has it. So when Bill Clinton passed his 55 mile an hour, Montana uh, threw out the speed limit, but they still had the basic rule. But that didn't fit the image of Montana. So right. um, they um, they had to portray Montana as these crazy people. They're not. They're just sort of libertarian. I was going to say, I, I don't think that's crazy. No, that's exactly right. Like it's crazy. Exactly right. Like, who's going to drive? Like, who's going to drive seventy on ice? No one. No one. <laughs> All right, Andrew Malcolm, the Prince of Twitter at ah Malcolm on the Twitters is the Regent of RedState.com. Uh, always great talking with you. I'll, I promise I will. I will actually do some research on jokes before we start the podcast next week. Oh, no, I'm, looking forward to I'm looking forward to talking to you then. Okay, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. See you then. Now that the political infighting is over and the sausage is being made in the House, it's time for Republicans to unite with one cause and fight back against Joe Biden and his radical administration. The GOP has promised to investigate Biden, family corruption, the border, big tech censorship collusion, the origins of COVID, the FBI, and intel agencies' attacks on the American people and more, and it's time to hold them to those promises. Here at Hot Air, we won't let up on holding them accountable. We unapologetically fight back against the radical left and squishy rhinos in Congress who fail the people. We bring you the truth and go to war against Biden's woke communist agenda. But we need your help. By becoming a VIP for uh, hotair.com, you can help us in this battle for our country. Just look at the House Democrats leader, Hakeem Jeffries. He's another divisive, radical leftist, and his communist Sesame Street speech proves it. If Republicans don't halt the Biden agenda and conservative media fails to hold them accountable, it could mean the end of our great country. Join us in the fight. Become a Hot Air VIP member or a VIP Gold member today and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA to receive a 40% discount on your membership. Stand with us and fight to save America. We will never give up. And thank you very much.